Welcome everyone to episode 9 of the Wild Will Throwdown. I am your host Will Greenwell and what a weekend of racing action we had this past weekend. And yes, it was another weekend of fighting Mother Nature as much of everywhere was rained out or postponed for this past weekend. Seems to be the story this year, fighting Mother Nature each and every week and also fighting the tire shortage of course, but uh we find another way through, and another great weekend of racing has passed. So let's kick off the results and the show. Great show today. We have, of course, the points leader going into the World Figure 8 Tour, Ronnie Basham III. He is our special guest today, and we'll take a look at his career and how he got started. Also, of course, we'll kick off the show with the results a little bit from around the area of this past weekend and dive in to the upcoming schedule, which is Memorial Day weekend. So let's kick it off at Sportstrom Speedway. Saturday night they were set to begin the must-see extravaganza for figure eight racing, but was postponed until Sunday afternoon. Of course, I was on hand calling that event with Brandon Taylor as well, and we had a great racing program. We'll kick it off with the Kentuckiana Tank Wash Modified Figure Eight as Mike Berry, second win of the 2022 season, and that was a crazy race to call, I can tell you that. Uh, the incident between Ricky Puckett and Matt Johnson, of course, everyone's seen that, um, colliding in the intersection. And then at the end, we had Buddy Vertries and the Ray Loxton owned number four um, make contact with Del Shelton, who led much of the race in the number 58. But then at the right place, at the right time, was Mike Berry in the number 51 machine. It was World Figure 8 Tour stop number two in that event, the 100-lap Napa Auto Parts presenting for the World Figure 8 Tour Late Model Figure 8 Division, and it was Jesse Tunney who did not show up for practice. He just put some Hoosier tires on and went for qualifications, and that was Jesse Tunney picking up that win. The Ford Figure 8 went to the 124 of Ronnie Basham III, who was in substitution for Shane Deaton. The Bus Figure 8, of course, two flips before halfway. <laughs> Derek Smith, I know he has to be feeling that this morning. And then, of course, Andy Perryman. Uh, getting Daniel Lister in the 54. So in the end, it was Mike Berry's number 51 bus who picked up the win. And the afternoon ended with the minivan figure eight. It was, of course, based on fan applause, and Andy Perryman in the 1776 took home the victory. Then, of course, we head up to the Indianapolis Speedrome where the Topi Eads Memorial Street Stock event. Jordan Hahn picked up the win, followed by Dalton Connor and Nate Cantor. That was your top three. Also in action was the Hearts Auto Center factory front-wheel drives. Robert Everso picked up the win there. The Ford Oval, Jordan Gonder, went back-to-back -back in the Ford figure eight and the Ford Oval. Josh Fultz picked up the mini outlaw figure eights, and the mini oval went to Nathan Arthur. So great race up there. Of course, we would be remiss. Of course, I am the official announcer for Mount Lawn Speedway, and I forgot to mention them last week, but we'll talk about a little bit of their results from their opener. Jeff Lane won the Wooten Automotive Modified Race. The Accelerator Race Cars, Zachary Morris, picked up the win in the Pro Compacts. The JW Photography went to Robert Bryan in the Stock Compacts. And then all in the end, Red Bones Pizza and Wings, Austin Evans, picked up the Crown Vicks in his first feature win. So good job to him. Another track my buddy Harold Adams and I went to Friday night. We actually went up to the Bloomington Speedway for the first time ever. Beautiful facility, I can tell you that. The sprint cars went um, to, looking at it here, I believe Brent Bochamp. Of course, what I had on my notes here, I believe he picked up the win there. The Bombers went to Keaton Strievel, who is really good at Brownstown, too. And the Hornets went to Michael Brewer's number 20. 
who picked up every Hornet race at Brownstown Speedway. The IMCA Mod Lights, Andy Tregesser won that, so great night of racing at the Bloomington Speedway. Down in Burnside, Kentucky, at the Lake Cumberland Speedway, it was the first visit to the Tri-State Legend Car Series on the dirt. Jacob Owens picked up that. Then in the Nils Core Supply front-wheel drive mini-stocks, Dustin Duncan picked up the win there. Looking on over at the Grassroots Hobby Stocks, that went to David Marler. The Open Wheel Modifieds went to the number 43 of Ben Petrie. And then looking all at it, Jay Watt, Jet Watson, picked up the Pro Late Model win. Now we look at the national circuit. The World of Outlaw Case Construction Late Models, May 20th, was the Connor Bobbick Memorial at the Marion Course Center Raceway. And Dennis Herb Jr. picked up the win. Looking good on the World of Outlaw Tur Circuit this year, over 40 late models on hand. Then the May 21st race, they went to Port Royal Speedway. 41 Outlaws was there on hand, where Jared Miley, I believe, picked up the win there. Local racer there beat all the big shots. Then, of course, the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Car Series was at 300 Raceway in Iowa. And that was the Truck Country 50, where Tyler Err picked up the win. Then on Saturday, they headed to the 34 Raceway, where T-Mac Tim McCready, your defending Lucas Oil champion, picked up the win there. And, of course, Castro Flow Racing Night in America went to the Marshalltown Speedway in Iowa, where Hudson O'Neill picked up, probably watching it on TV, my favorite dirt track now. I've always wanted to go to the Marshalltown Speedway. Very cool to see them up there. All right, race fans, coming up next will be our special interview today with Ronnie Basham III. All right, guys, back here on the Wildwell Throwdown. We are grateful for today's guest. Please welcome the driver of the number 86 Outlaw Machine of the Figure 8 Circuit, Mr. Ronnie Basham III. Ronnie, thanks for being here today, my man. Thank you, Will, for having me. All right, Ronnie, so let's get into it. You know, just like we do on every podcast, we like to get to know the drivers. How did you get involved with racing before we get to, you know, the racing you're doing now? But, uh, you know, how did you get into it? And give us a little background into that. Well, I'll try to make this brief and short. Um, man, man, everyone in my family has raced all the way back to my grandma. Of course, now my mom, the Powder Puffs. Um, <clears throat> I've wanted to race to be in NASCAR since I was a kid. I thought I was going to be a NASCAR driver when I was a little kid. I'd play with Hot Wheels and dirt. Uh, I'd make a, a dirt track in the backyard with a four-wheeler or a go-kart, whatever I had to do. I just always loved it, man. I remember when I was uh, 13, 14, I'd have a moped. And I was the first guy in line here at Sports Room every Saturday night. Every Saturday night, I was the first, not the guy, first kid in line. I was the first one to buy my ticket and walk in. And I loved it. My mom knew where I was, you know. Um, it's just what I, it's just, it's all I know. I, I ask myself, what am I good at? I'm not saying I'm good at racing, but I know I'm really, I'm good at loving it. Um, like I said, my uncles, my Uncle Daryl, he has raced in ARCA with uh, Frank Kimmel and all them guys um, for many, many years in the ARCA series. Like my uncle's cousins, my father, of course. Um, I started racing go-karts. First time I ever raced was a go-kart here at Sports Show when I was 12 with my dad for the Fall City Kart Club. And we raced here in Charlestown 4-H Fairgrounds. Went back and forth. First year we won. Um, didn't have a clue what we were getting into. Somehow we pondered on a good man that really helped us, Keith Lavelle, and um, got us going. And really, man, that was a probably the great one of the greatest years of racing in my in my whole entire racing career because we raced uh, three or four different tracks we won in every track and i think the, after the total of all the races we won 34 out of 37 races that one year and go-karts just go-karts but it was i mean i got so many trophies it's just 
And I said, man, I really like this. And then I uh, next year we didn't race go-karts, kind of financial. Um, you know, I don't come from a rich background. We kind of live here local in Clarksville, so it's not a big high-end area, you know, money. We uh, raced many cuts for one year for uh, Corky Workman, Chris Chris Workman, the uncle. That's Chris, Chris's uncle. Uh, raced for uh, Corky for uh, half a season in many cups. I had good success in that. Um, went on Dromers. Uh, didn't do real good Dromers at first. I uh, I would, I know, of course, my father passed away in 07, and what I raced off of was my Social Security check I had from my father passing away, and that's what I managed to race on. But, I, you know, I, <clears throat> I went out scrapped. I went out and hustled cans. I went out and did anything I had to do to make sure I'm coming to the racetrack. And uh, one guy that's still here today and it's Paul Taylor. I love Paul. I always love Paul. He hauled my car to the track and from the track every week, never charged me a nickel, and, you know, helped me work on it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the Drome, it's, I've been here mostly. I raced a year at Salem. Uh, of course, I go to Indianapolis and race. Kind of just work my way through the ranks of Dromers. Um, never raced Old Book Stream, or and now they call them Sportsman. Uh, um, race modified for a couple of years, won a championship. But yeah, I mean, here we are today. We're running with the uh, the baddest outlaw drivers and cars. I feel like it's on the whole planet. So that's where we're at right now. So now let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about the different types of cars you've driven. Uh, talk about the success you've had in them. I know the Dromers, you did pretty well in the Dromers as well. Uh, you know, it's kind of like an evolution because we saw the Dromers come, the Dromers have gone. But now we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the Crown Vicks because the Crown Vicks now are the, I guess you could say, the old bombers back in the day. How many there are, right, the ample. But we also see those now getting advanced in the rules, just like the evolution of every division we see. Talk about the uh, different success you've had in those different divisions and just a little bit of the driving style that you have to have with each different car, I guess you could say. But the, the Fords are like boats, you know. They're heavy. They pull in the corners. But just talk a little bit about that. Uh, the Dromers, of course, um, they were kind of like the Crown Vicks. They're a little bit better handling-wise because we actually could do a little bit per more performance stuff to them. Uh, they were fun to drive. I mean, uh, anybody that knows Raymond Johnson has watched him race, you can just sling them suckers around and just drive the crap out of them. So they're really fun to drive. Um, the Extreme Cars, what they call the Modified Figure 8 now, they're, they're a blast to drive. They're similar to a Dromer, just more powerful, better braking. Um, but the one thing I've really struggled on for the last couple of years is these the outlaws. Um, they're just they're just a different animal. I try to tell people they're just different. Um, you know, they're a late model, similar to a late model oval car. But I feel like they're I feel like if a uh, Stephen Assey or Cole Williams or one of them guys jumped into my figure eight car, they'd be like, man, this is a little different. You know, so it's it's similar everything, but it's, it's still different. I I, I feel like it is. Um, a street stock at Salem. The uh, I had a lot of fun at Salem. This didn't like the uh, the chance of uh, tearing stuff up, hit the wall, you tear a lot of stuff up, kind of like the intersection here. But Salem's, you know, it's a it's a bear too, very intimidating. I uh, love the racetrack, I love racing there, I love the speed. They give me the same adrenaline rush I get for figure eight racing. Um, but right now, I think the toughest thing ever race is what I'm sitting in right now, and uh, I'm slowly gaining success in it. We're uh, we're getting better. Uh, it's not just something you jump into and. Spend a bunch of money, I'm going to be fast. No, it don't work like that. So you really got to learn. You got to learn how to work on them. Um, our suspension setup we have now is very similar to what we've been using. Or, you know, Jeff Roberts, the guy that takes care of me, my father figure, he's the one, you know, he's raced for, man, 30 years. 
so long and I've been alive. So it, th- what we got now is similar to what he knows, and it's really helped us from the lease spring car. So we, uh, we're we really starting to dot our I's and cross our T's, I guess you would say, and to try to keep up with all these guys from Indy because, man, they're tough, and they're the best in the business. And um, if you can run with them guys, and let alone beat them, you're real, I feel like you're really doing something to make some noise. So now we're going to get into the outlaw. Uh, almost had a win in Florida. We all saw that down there on, of course, low budget who couldn't make it and those who came down there in the Tampa area at showtime. You picked up the first World Figure 8 Tour win of the season in Indianapolis Speedrome. Um, discuss your success and what led to the speed this year in that car. I know you and Jeff have been thrashing to figure out that number 86 machine. It's great to see you have that kind of speed now. You're competing. You were leading most of the race in Florida, uh, picking up the Speedrome uh, win this year in the first one. Uh, so what's it mean to have that success? Um, and, man, that's just so good to see you have that speed right now for that 86 team. Yeah. Um, you know, years ago we've always ran at least spring car. That's kind of what everyone was on. And I just – we just could never figure it out. We won one race with least spring. We'd always be fast early in, with our least spring car, but – we can never just compl- get the job done. Um, so finally, we kind of sit back and uh, Sean Smith builds our chassis and kind of threw, threw us an idea of another chassis built for Jesse Tunney. So why don't, you guys, why don't we try this out? Um, so we switch it all to a cool over car. Um, good stuff, Port City stuff. Um, really simple to work on. I feel like the more simple you can keep these race cars, the better off you will be because there's a lot of adjustments on it. and. Um, I'm not the smartest and brightest apple in the tree, but I can just tell you, I feel like there's so many adjustments, you can adjust your way out of the park. Um, so you just kind of go to the baseline, go back to the home setting, I call it. We'll go back home and keep it at baseline, and then work your way from there. But these cars, man, I'm telling you, they're just, they're just a different animal. I wish I can, and, and, you know, some things happen on the track, and like, why do you just do that? Well, sometimes you really just can't help it. But the speed, man, like I said, come from the suspension setup we changed. Uh, we're really fast in Florida. That was our uh, third race out with it and with that new suspension. Really didn't, I, I can just tell you, I usually go to racetrack. I always go to racetrack thinking I can win. But sometimes I always feel like I'm behind the eight ball. But now I kind of feel like I'm in front of the eight ball a little bit because I feel like I have a lot of confidence in my car. And uh, I can tell Jeff, hey, Jeff, this is what it's doing. And now he can go right to it and do it. And that's what it's going to make the car do. So uh, that that's where we found our speed. Just going back and going back to the home setting and keeping it simple. And uh, me and Jeff really, uh, he's old school. and uh, But he's he knows what he's doing on the on this type of chassis and this cars and setup. So it's really working. This is the only type of thing I've ever raced mainly is a coilover car. So it's really, uh, it's more my driving style. I'm not a finesse driver. I'm more a up on a wheel driver and uh, give it all it's got. So it, it can handle my driving ability to, to an extent. But hopefully we come back home here to Sports Strong and uh, find some speed that we've had all year. We uh, we had some, you know, bad night. We broke one night in Indy and uh, wasn't real good last time out. We uh, we made an adjustment, adjustment on the car to try to make it a little better. We had it shot us in the foot. We went too much, but now we know our baseline, where to go. So I think we'll have some speed. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love his new chassis, his new car. It's an SS8, Sean Smith chassis. It's the best in the business. So talking about the outlaw, give us as much as you know. And our my viewers always ask me a question because they knew I started here at Sports Drum, so it's a figure eight, more a figure eight track. What, what makes these cars go? So inside of an outlaw, 
Talk about this setup between right and left hand turns. Give us a little, I guess, anatomy of an outlaw figure eight car, late model figure eight car. Uh, many people call it different things. Just the basis, as you know, like you said, coil over and stuff like that. Talk about the anatomy of these, and just I mean, you don't have to talk about it all, but just talk about the simple things of the outlaw car. It's uh, it's similar to like a um, your common street shock drivers. You know, um, you got your coil over spring on the front. Of course, we're not running the same type of shock. We adjust our uh, coil overs on the shock with the spring on it. And the back has pretty much got trailing arms. It's got a watch link on it. Nobody knows what a watch link is. I'm still kind of learning how it works. So I'm kind of still in the process of learning. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not too smart on setup-wise. I can tell you what a race car is doing. But I'm starting to learn now because it's simplified for me. Um, I guess you can put it, you got to put it, I call it Ronnie terms, not smart terms. So if I can put it in Ronnie terms, then I can understand what's going on with the race car. But um, it's pretty simple. It really is. There's, uh, you know, we run a couple different bars on the back, a couple pull bars, and this and that. Mostly everything's, you know, on the shock and spring now. It's, you can, you can with the lead spring car, you pretty much got what you got. You can put you a helper spring, which is like an 80 pound helper. It's just a, cr- a little crutch for, uh, for the, for the car. So, and you can adjust your ride heights with the, with a lead spring car unless you change your lower block. So it makes it. These cars are more adjustable to a different racetrack rather than you got what you got. I mean, at least spring car you can adjust, don't get me wrong. But you can't adjust it like you can adjust a coilover card. I mean, Ben Tony's on coilovers now. Mark Tony's on coilovers. Artie Ware's on coilovers. Doodle Ferris on coilovers. I'm on coilovers. I think Eddie Van is on coilovers. There are a lot of guys um, getting away from the uh, the 70s style lease springs because I guess technology is emerging, I guess. And uh, that people realize that you can take this setup and to go anywhere and race. We ran the same setup since Florida at every racetrack so far, and we're going to bring the same setup back here, and it's been fast with the same same spring, same shock setting, same everything. So when I say simplified, it's, it's you're in when you're at home, home plate, and you just kind of adjust around it, you can go anywhere and be fast, I feel like, with these cars. That's what makes them so unique and uh, fun to drive, really. That's excellent. We appreciate that insight because, you know, a lot of people don't know these cars. You know, they know a street stock. They know Ford, you know, different cars and whatnot. Uh, let's describe what I call the X technique. Now, <laughs> give our viewers, I know, I do not know anything about X technique. I do remember when you hit me in 2019 in a bus, and I didn't know anything. But that that was fun. That's probably one of our greatest moments. Uh, but talk about when you come off these turns just inside of a figure eight driver's head, a, a professional figure eight driver. When you come off that turn, a lot of people just think it's luck. It, to me, it's not just luck. It, you as a driver, figure eight racing, to me, is an emotionally tired sport because I guarantee you're probably looking a hundred different ways during an event, especially a hundred lapper on a quarter-mile oval track. Um, so talk about what you have to do off these turns to kind of judge when you go through that intersection. Uh, what I've learned, I've lost, watched a lot of films, you know, of different three hours, of course, or some races here. Um, I tried to know who, what was going on when I went through an intersection the lap before, kind of know where a car's at, who is it, how good is that guy running. Um, and if I got time and the car's not giving me a lot of headache in the corners, I'll kind of glance over in the middle of the corner to kind of know what I need to do. But I really make my decision before I come off the turn at the at the tire here. Um, here at Sports Row on the X is really hard to judge because it's so fast. Everything happens so fast. To the speed drone, 
you really know what's you, it's not it's still fast, but it's not as fast as sports drum. So it's easier to judge, I guess I would say. You can judge it and you can move around a lot more. What makes it a little difficult here? We have some grass, and um, they put the new pavement on the back stretch. You might give it a little swirl around, but you still gotta go back on a straightaway. Um, the speed here at sports drum, I think, is a downplay to some guys because it's so fast. And uh, I mean. I think the wreck with Ben and Mark kind of hurt us a little bit because it was such a hard hit years ago. And, I mean, it's fast. We're on this big 10-inch tire, and I, I honestly feel like we're doing 85, 90 miles an hour at the intersection. And I know just for a brief second, but it's maybe not quite 90. If I say 80, it's, it's just so fast. But my, my decision-making is starting. As soon as I cross the X and I'm coming through, say, one and two, three and four, I'm already starting to, okay, well, who's where? I'm looking in the center corner, and I'm looking – especially coming out, I try to make my decision coming off the corner because you don't want to stop at the intersection. That's when things get hairy. Um, that's when things start, brakes start locking up. People dip, dive, and dodge a ball. And <laughs> you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a car, right? We know that ain't how it works sometimes. But it's uh, it's, it's very unique. And, it, you know, some people say it's, it's not a sport. It don't take no skill to do this. I I, uh, I disagree. It's just, it's a big skill. It's a uh, it's a lot of mind games. Very, very tiring. Um, you got to think you're driving a 2,400-pound car. It's fast. A lot of horsepower. It, it's it's a lot of braking. There's just a lot going on inside of a small cockpit inside these figure eight cars. And let alone, it's not just the oval. I got to worry about the cars. I got to worry about the intersection, and I got to worry about racing everybody. So it's everybody looks at figure eight and kind of looks like it, it causes that demolition derby. But man, I, I really feel like figure eight racing doesn't give them the credit it needs to get. Uh, so don't get me wrong, some races aren't the greatest races to watch, but I'm going to say 85% of them are very, very exciting. If you like racing like that, that's exciting. Everyone wants to see someone crash. We don't want to crash, of course, but it's still exciting to watch that just the anticipation. Like, what's going to happen next time? You know, you're up on the edge of your seat. If we could get a big TV broadcast like Lucas Oil to come in and say, man, just give us a shot. Look at us. Watch us. I really feel like you would get a lot of hits, but then again, a lot of people look at it like, oh, they're just dumb old, dim old redneck guys trying to wreck cars. No, these are thirty, dollars $50,000 race cars. So, I don't know. I just think we uh, figure out where it gets covered up, and uh, it takes a lot of skill to go up the intersection. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care if there's only going to be 15 cars or 8 cars. It's still a skill to go through the intersection without hitting someone. So, that's my insight on that. Yeah, you talk about the – figure eight exposure i think my buddy harold adams and wherever we go i always talk about it people think figure eight racing is what i call a novelty act right and that aggravates me and uh, harold knows and harold's one of his pet peeves too i hate that i think everywhere we go we talk about you guys as figure eight drivers and i have to pull out my youtube videos again to show them basically a three hours a great representation of how you have to judge it and uh you know that's why i i told brayton laster i love what he did because he's racing arca now but he towed fox sports one and they actually mentioned in the booth this guy's a figure eight racer which is crazy to hear fox sports one talk about figure eight racing so wherever you guys go it's great to get that figure eight exposure out there it's really cool uh so next uh we're going to talk about competition to me i don't care if there's eight to ten cars 12 cars 15 cars it's really cool to see those beautiful machines out there the horsepower you guys going through the x talk about the competition Mark, Ben, Jesse, Austin, Eddie, Buddy, Doodle, Jeff Harmon, Artie, the list goes on and on. Talk about the competition in this outlaw late model figure eight division because these guys are the best of the best. And 
you know, people call them crazy, but they are one of the best of the best as far as competition. Yeah, there's like the list you just named. I mean, every one of those guys that show up to a racetrack has a shot to win. Um, what makes it so hard is we're so equal, and a lot of us are getting a lot better at driving these cars. Like Ben and Mark, these guys have been they've been racing these these type of cars, Jesse and Austin. I think their entire life, that's all they've ever raced. That's what they started out in. They, they raced one of these cars, I think, before they rode a bicycle on training wheels. So they know these cars, and they're the best. Um, a lot of those guys down south got, got started late, but I feel like we're catching, the, catching up the curve of it. The, any given night, I don't care what racetrack it is, everyone's going to pull for a tunny to, or pick for a tunny to win. I, I'm not disagreeing with that. But nowadays, you have 12 to 15 guys that can win a race any night. It just, of course, starting position, track position, however that falls. So when you can have that many cars that are that fast and that equal, it makes the racing tough as a racer because it's so hard to pass anywhere you go, not just hit sports drone. They say it's single file racing. No, it's, it's not that it's single file. It's because when you got 12 or 15 cars and they're the 12 to 15 fastest cars, or, you know, for a late model figure eight car, it's going to be hard to pass unless you use the bumper. I mean, that's just that's just that's short track racing. So as a racer, you realize, man, I really can't get a run on this guy. I got to use a bumper on him. So that's what makes it so tough, I think, here. Speed jump's a little different because the corners are tired. You got tighter. You got to slow up more. Uh, they have a few more cars there now and then. You know, the slower guys, nothing wrong with the slower guys. We got to have those guys because they make the racing fun. They can also – you know, step in there and get them a win uh, on any given night too. Just because they're just a little bit off the pace, don't mean they're not, you know, totally out of the ball game. So, you know, the the competition in this in this class, I compare it similar to uh, the street socks at Salem. The street socks at Salem, you got, well, you did till a couple guys are kind of spoiling the beans for you know Will Kimmel and Brian Bear. They're really on point this year with their cars, and of course Chucky Barnes. But on the street socks, I feel like. It's the same type of competition, uh, and, it's, and how hard it is to win because there's so many fast cars. It just, however the sun sets that night, is who's going to win. I feel like. So then, uh, last question before I give you a chance to think who you would like to thank. But let's talk about tracks. Uh, that always kind of really, I guess, interests me a little bit. When I travel a lot, I look at the different tracks and the different styles of tracks. Uh, I know you're planning on making the trip, uh, World Figure 8 Tour Stop at Painesville. I call that my second home track with my in-laws being there. Uh, that's a fun little track. I'm excited to see you up there. The race we had last year in July, that was just an awesome spectacle. You, you haven't seen tight turns until you went to Painesville. Uh, but Indy Speedrome, uh, Showtime, Sportsdrome, a track I, I'm going to this year in September, Colorado National. It's very interesting to see a lot of these different aspects. As you as a driver, what have you think the the ones you've driven or driven, excuse me, so far? What do you think is the most difficult? And and you know, Showtime, Sports Drum, Speed Drum, all these different tracks, uh, different driving styles have to be took on, correct? Yeah, they really do. Um, I I really used to hate the Speed Drum, not hate the tr- hate the place, but I, I hate it because I wasn't very good there. I could not figure out how to get around that place. Um, I'm not gonna say I hate it now. I feel like I, can, I get around there decently, not the best, but decent. Um, believe it or not, this is going to be a shocker. And I love the place. It's my home track. But I suck here for some odd reason. I just can't figure out what any other thing in figure eight I, I feel like I'm pretty decent at. For these outlaws, I just cannot figure out how to get around this place. It's not that it's so fast. You know, because Florida Showtime 
is one of my favorite tracks. I love Showtime. It's the bank. The, it's fast. I love it. Um, I just got to figure out how to get around my home track here. I don't know how to do it just about anything else, but I've, I've struggled. But I haven't had this setup that I have now, this, this suspension setup under me at this racetrack until today. So I'm hoping to change that a little bit. I love my racetrack. I love my home track. Not that it sucks. I suck here. So there's a difference. Um, but yeah, these different tracks really takes a different driving, driving technique. Um, I've, uh, something a Hall of Famer told me once, if you're right, Chris Harmon, he said, Ronnie, slower is fast in these cars. And that's the hardest thing to ever beat in your head. I gotta go slow, go fast. I gotta go. It's it's all okay. This don't make sense. You know, I'm a, I'm I'm a, backwards kind of guy, and that that is too backwards for me. Go slow, go fast. There ain't no way. I gotta drive this thing. I gotta drive the wheels off this thing. But uh, yeah, the techniques of all these different tracks. I like to check out Painesville, watch videos. It looks like a rowdy little racetrack, kind of like Auburndale, tight corners, fast. Um, very. Uh, I'm hoping that the tire situation everything works out, and we get to go there. Um, I'm I'm glad to see these different tracks jumping on board for this tour and you said colorado that's a, that's a big track that i think i've seen videos very big track uh i wouldn't mind trying it out of course that's a haul for us but um yeah I, I love and i heard about a track in new york that wants us to come out there and race so you know it, the figure eight is starting to grow these podcasts what you guys do on social media has i think really puts the bug out there for everybody and maybe people are starting to say maybe Maybe they aren't just old, dumb, redneck demo guys. These these are real prof- – we're not professional by no means, but the, what we do is the profession because it, it not just any anyone come off the streets and do what we do because it takes a uh, very different person. <laughs> I'll say that. Well, I'm going to disagree with you because I think you guys are very professional what you do in these outlaws because it's, it's not a street stock car. It's a high-dollar late model on the figure eight course. So it's very impressive. So, uh, Ronnie, I do appreciate you coming on. I always give people a chance to thank who they'd like to thank. I know Jeff Roberts. I can tell you now, I've grew up watching him at Louisville motor speedway. And uh, it's really cool that you have him as, as course, like you said, a follower figure, uh, thank the world of Jeff. He has the knowledge of anyone else in figure eight racing, but, uh, you know, I would like to just say, uh, who would you like to thank on that number 86 ride? And I know everyone listening, of course, we are recording this today on Saturday at Sportstrom Speedway for the stop two of the World Figure Eight Tour, but I know everyone wishes you the best of luck today. Uh, but who would you like to thank on that 86 ride, my man? Uh, first, like you just said, Jeff Roberts, he's, uh, uh, he don't ever let me put his ad real big on the car. He'd rather, you know, sell it to spots someone else. Um, but Jeff Roberts, Jeff Roberts Trucking, he's a man behind it all. Hey, uh, without that guy, I... I couldn't do it. I'll just be honest with you. I'm a father of two, and you know, without him, it's uh, it's hard. So without Jeff, he's the main one. I got Nick's powder keg. He's been helping me since I've been 15 years old racing. Uh, the RBG company, Renee and Greg Bott, they're do remodeling. They re- they're f- close family friends. They really help us out. Veterans Roofing. He's a newer newer construction business, but has really taken off. Brandon Smith, Stumps Tree Service. Carl Trimmel Offices has really come on board and helped us out a lot for the past couple of years. Legends Cafe, the Clary's and Keith, they help us out a lot. Uh, Blackman Farms, Diesel Boys with Brandon Hooker, uh, Cluckers, Cluckers Wings and Jeff. Um, who else we got? We got Veterans Roofing again, Stumps on the other side, and the Derby City Recycling. Um, Steve Roby, he's, he's, he's really, he's a good man. He helps out a lot, of course. Uh, Clap mowing, landscaping, uh, SS fabrication, and uh, race cars is Sean Smith, and then uh, a horsepower plant comes from Sam Murphy. Uh, he does uh, a lot, some, a lot, few guys' motors, and 
gives them great horsepower to bring to these to this racetrack every week. So without them guys, uh, it wouldn't be possible. Um, so they make it they make it more uh, a possible for us, of course, because without sponsors, it, no racing, no racer unless you just got it like that can make it. So thanks to them guys for making it possible, so we can go do what I love and every Saturday night. All right, Ronnie. Well, I know as well as I do, as all of the listeners, all the fans here at your home track, wish you the best of luck today. And we appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule to come talk with us today because it's all about getting that figure eight uh, racing out there. And uh, we appreciate it. Wish you the best of luck today. Thank you, Will. Thanks for having me, man. Once again, we would like to thank Ronnie Basham III for being on the show today. We appreciate his insight. Very cool learning about stuff that I didn't even know about, so that was pretty cool. Now, like always, race fans, it's time to take a look at some of the action that's going on for this Memorial Day weekend, 2022. We will actually start at the Sportsdrome Speedway, and a little bit of unusual stuff happening there that doesn't happen often, and it is the Monster Trucks with a Z Tour. Yes, Monster Trucks Tour coming into Sportsdrome Speedway for four huge days of action. The Indianapolis Speedrome is having one huge event this weekend, kicking off the week with Friday, May 27th. The Speedrome is having their Junior Fast Carts, Adult Fast Carts, Legend Series, Baby Grands, and practice for the Late Model Figure 8 in anticipation for Saturday, which is the huge show for the Late Model Figure 8 as they will have the one-hour spring shootout. Instead of the 90-minute, of course, the tire shortage all over the United States, it was the 90-minute spring shootout, but now this year, of course, being 60 minutes in that event. Also on that day is going to be the Ford Oval 40 and the factory front-wheel drive 40 as well, so great weekend for the Indianapolis Speedrome. Anderson Speedway will be having their huge Little 500 event. Huge names entered in that event, including Ken Schrader, of course. That will be taking place uh, all anticipation for what is happening at Indianapolis Motor Speedway on Memorial Day, and that is the Indy 500. Brownstown Speedway in Brownstown, Indiana will be in action this Saturday with the Bobby Wilson Memorial. The divisions include the Super Late Models, Modifieds, Crown Vigs, Hornets, and Super Stocks. Richmond Raceway in Richmond, Kentucky will be having the Butch Shea Memorial for the Super Late Models, paying five grand to win. Also in action will be the Pro Late Models competing for 1,000, KDRA Super Stocks for 750, and the Modifieds for 1,200. Then we head on up to the Indiana-Ohio border at the Lawrenceburg Speedway. will be in action Monday, May the 30th for the annual Memorial Day event with the NOS Energy Drink Sprint Cars from the World of Outlaws, and they will be having modifieds as well. So huge show for Lawrenceburg Speedway. The Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Car Series will be at the Lucas Oil Speedway in Wheaton, Missouri for the annual Show Me 100 Weekend. 6000 to win Thursday, 6000 to win Friday, and a huge $50,000 to win payday on Saturday night. That is always a great show to watch. Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Car Series always putting on a great show. And of course, here at the Wild Will Throwdown, we want to wish everyone a happy Memorial Day weekend. And we want to remember all of the past and present who are serving in our military. Of course, you know how important our military is for me as my wife is serving currently as well. So very cool there. Once again, we would like to thank Ronnie Basham for coming on the show today and all of the production staff at Dirt 2 Media. They work hard and hard to bring you guys the content that they bring. I hope all of you have a great Memorial Day weekend. I will be taking, of course, this holiday weekend, heading to Louisiana to be with my wife this weekend. Very much looking forward to a little bit of off time. As I say every week here on the Wild Will Throwdown, please, please, please support your local racetrack, and I will see you 
around the turn. See you next week, everybody.